The Lord calls us to worship this morning from the book of Psalms, chapter 95. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In His hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are His also. The sea is His, for He made it, and His hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Amen. in the earth, everything that we can see and made us ourselves. Lord, we have gathered together today as your people, the church, to sing praises to you. Lord, we thank you for the beauty of this day and for the gift of the rain that you have given us in it, that you would remind us even in this simple and small way how great and powerful you are. Lord, we pray that we would be gathered together today as your people, unified as one body, the church of Christ that we would glorify and raise high the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of sinners. Lord, we thank you and we praise you that we may call upon you as our Father and that you call us your sons and daughters. And Lord, we join our hearts together now as your people and pray the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, saying out loud, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning for our a confession of faith, we're going to recite together the Apostles' Creed. If you'd like to look there, it's on page 845 in the green hymnal in front of you. 
I'm going to begin by asking you, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hear these words of assurance from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, beginning at verse 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. Amen. As we continue to worship, turn in your hymnal to number 199 as we sing together, See Amid the Winter Snow.
and the children can come forward at this time for the children's sermon. young ladies and handsome young men, I want to speak with you this morning about the, the first candle that was lit this morning during the prelude. As you came in, you may have noticed that the candle is lit. This is the first Sunday in Advent. Does anybody know what that first candle represents? Anybody? That first candle represents hope and anticipation in God's promise. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, I know you might remember that, Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. Do you know what they gave up, what they lost, when they ate the forbidden fruit? What did they lose? What did they give up? Their faith. Faith, maybe, for a little while. What else? Their blood. Blood? Well, not, not their blood, not then, but it pointed forward to somebody's blood. It certainly did. They gave up heaven. They gave up hope in heaven because of their sin. They said, God, we don't want you to be our God. We don't want you as our heavenly Father. We would rather be God. And so they gave up heaven. And so God made a promise to Eve. One of the promises that he made is that her son, the seed that would come from her, would be someone who would crush the serpent's head. The serpent is the enemy of God's people. And He promised, God the Father promised, that one day someone would come and He would do exactly what God promised Eve, one of her children, would do. I'm going to read these words to you from the book of Isaiah. These words about God's promise and what God said would happen is the reason we celebrate this time of year. You know what it's like to walk in the darkness? Have you ever tried to walk through the house at night? Have you ever found a piece of furniture or maybe a Lego with your foot? They seem to grow spikes in the dark. These words from Isaiah chapter 9, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Do you know who that light is? Jesus. Jesus. And it says in verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 9, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That's what we celebrate this Advent season. And just as the prophets of old told the people of God, wait for the salvation of God, the Messiah is coming, the seed of the woman will come, and he will crush the serpent's head. Jesus will do that even for you. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you for our covenant children. I thank you for this special Advent season to be together, to celebrate with one another, and to anticipate the celebration of the first Advent of our Savior. That God promised Jesus would come, and that by His strength and grace, Jesus did come. And as we look forward to and remember this story, Lord, I pray for our covenant children that you would help their hearts to be overwhelmed with the love of God and the grace of God in their lives that you put them in Christian families that raised them to know you, and that you placed them here at this special church to be part of this church family. These are just tokens of your love for us, Lord, 
And we thank you and we praise you for it. And Lord, I pray for each one of them individually for their faith in you. That they would cry out to you in saving faith. That they would trust what your word says. And that they would believe in you by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. This morning for our responsive reading, we're going to be reading together Psalm 104. It's on page 822 in the green hymnal. Psalm 104, beginning on page 822. I'm going to make an executive decision at the moment. This could be a mistake. It absolutely could. But I'm going to say that we read Psalm 104 only on page 822. Because it does go on for a little while, on the page 823. Um, So 822. So we'll end there at the bottom um, with the trees of the Lord. Psalm 104. Praise the Lord, O my soul. He wraps himself in light as with a garment. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He set the earth on its foundations. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The water stood above the mountains. They flowed over the mountains. They went down into the valleys, to the place you assigned for them. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. The birds of the air nest by their waters. They sing among the branches. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for man to cultivate, bringing forth the food from the earth. The trees of the Lord are well watered, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. Let's stand together as we continue to worship and turn in your hymnal to number 230 as we sing together, Thou who was rich beyond all splendor.
This morning for our pastoral prayer time, we're going to be praying for our missionary Jeffrey, and also wanted to pray for our church family. This time of year is particularly a special time. The Advent season is a wonderful time to uh, reflect on God's love and faithfulness as we anticipate celebrating the birth of our Savior. But it is also a time of difficulty and grief for many people. And so I want to pray for our church family, and particularly those who are mourning at this time of year, that the Lord would be close to them and that He would use us as a church family to love one another and to support one another. Let's pray together. Our Father in Heaven, what a privilege it is to be able to come to You with the cries and the petitions of our hearts and know that You hear us. And not only that You hear us, but that you delight to answer prayer. What a privilege and an honor it is for us, your children, to be able to call upon your name. Lord, we thank you and praise you that even in spite of our sinfulness, you came and sent Jesus into the world that we might be redeemed and be called yours. That you put your name upon us and said they are mine and no one will take them from me. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for the gift of salvation that we celebrate today and for the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and our hope in a resurrection in the future. Lord, we thank you and praise you for these, your gifts. We are not worthy of them. Lord, we pray for Jeffrey today that you would give him a particular rest as he tries to finish up this semester. Lord, I pray that he would have rest in you even on this Sabbath day that he would rejoice to be able to minister the gospel to those that you have entrusted to his care. Lord, I pray that you would give his family rest, and particularly now in these last weeks as he finishes his dissertation, Lord, I pray that you would give him rest at night when he needs to lay the books down and close the computer and be done with work. Lord, help him to trust in you that you give him hours and minutes, particularly to do the work. And Lord, I thank you for our participation in the gospel ministry with him in another country to be able to support him, to give financially that he might be able to finish his studies. Lord, I thank you and praise you for the faithfulness and the giving of this church. And Lord, I pray now, thinking about this time of year, this special season that if we are not careful, it so quickly passes us by. And I know, Lord, there are some who would want to see the days go quickly because of grief and sorrow and pain. And Lord, I pray that you would minister the sweetness of the gospel to their souls by your spirit. Lord, grief is hard and death is difficult. And I pray that you would be with your people. Hold them up by your righteous right hand. Comfort those who need to be comforted. Encourage those who are downtrodden. And Lord, may we all have faith and hope in you to look to things not that are seen, but to things that are unseen. To behold your promises and to use this Advent season as a reminder that God is faithful, that he does what he says he will, and that his strong arm does accomplish salvation. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. And it is in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.
If you have a Bible this morning, I want to invite you to open it to the book of Genesis, chapter 18. We're going to be reading this morning in Genesis, chapter 18, verses 10 to 15, and then put a finger over in Genesis 21. We're also going to be reading verses 1 through 7 there. Genesis chapter 18, verses 10 through 15. This is the word of the Lord. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh. For she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. And then Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and we begin a new series, Unto Us a Child is Born, from Isaiah 9, verse 6. The sermon this morning is entitled, Faith Against All Odds. Advent, like a pregnancy, includes anticipation, pain and frustration, preparation, and contemplation on future indestructible joy. In this way, Advent differs from Christmas because it is not the thing which we anticipate, but it is an awaiting season looking forward to hope. The Advent season is not our hope. It is a time to await for it and to see it with trust. So the next four Sundays, we're going to be looking at stories of four pregnancies with these ideas in mind Rehearsing the first advent, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as a little baby into the world. And may God stir our hearts by His Spirit as we remember, as we read again stories that are familiar, and consider the wonders of God's marvelous grace in our lives. A question that we need to answer as we have read these passages of Scripture this morning, as we think about the life of Abraham and Sarah Something that we need to ask ourselves, we need to deal with this question, is what we see in the story of Abraham and Sarah a principle in how God deals with His people? 
If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter 11, there's something that you learn about Sarah. It says at the end of chapter 11 that she is barren. She's not able to have children. She is not giving Abraham a son or a daughter. They are not experiencing the joy of a pregnancy, time of anticipation and baby clothes and celebration and thinking through what will we name this baby. None of those things are happening in their home. And it seems as though in chapter 12, God makes a promise not knowing how old Abraham is, that he would give him a family. He says, I will make of you great nations. And so the question that we have to ask as we consider the circumstances is, is this a principle in how God deals with his people? That he makes promises in the face of humanly impossible odds requiring supernatural faith of his people? Or is this simply a one-off story of a particular couple in the story of redemption? We need to answer that question this morning. Because if that's how God deals with each of his people, if he deals that way with you and with me, then the only response that you and I can have, the only response that you and I can see, and the life that we live The difficulties and the obstacles that we go through are not simply things that get in our way to block our goals or to keep us from seeing expectations met. They are opportunities, golden opportunities from our Savior to see Him and to behold Him. This morning, as we look at the story of Abraham and Sarah, this story is good news. And I want to ask, why is it good news? It's good news because God Himself known to us in Jesus Christ, is more valuable and more satisfying than anything we could ever be or do in our own power. Do you believe that this morning, dear people of God? That the most loving thing that God could do for us is to make Himself indispensable for us day in and day out. The most loving thing that God could do for us is not to make much of us. Look at you. Look how wonderful you are. And certainly we can say God has set His love on us. But as we see Him do His work by sovereign grace, we learn to enjoy and make much of Him forever. For that is what we will do for all eternity. As we look at this passage of Scripture this morning, I want to go through the story of Abraham and Sarah. We read two of the highlights along their path of faith. We read about... Sarah's laughter while the guests were there visiting, eating. And we read about God's fulfillment of the promise. But I want to look at their story this morning. Faith against all odds. Number one, talk about the plan of God. Number two, faith in God, not in shortcuts. And lastly, how does this point us to Jesus' first coming? That's what the Advent season does. It points us. It's meant to direct our hearts, focus our attention, that we would see and behold and remember. And I want to encourage you, this season, one of the ways that you make it slow down, we can't stop time. You might know that, but it's absolutely true. None of us can stop time. But one of the ways that we can make it slow down for ourselves is to spend some time every day reading. Do an Advent reading. I have a couple options I'd love to share with you if you're looking for something to read. But do it together as a family or do it alone. Get up early in the morning or stay up just a little bit later and read. Slow down time that you would see and behold the wonder of the season. Anticipate celebrating the birth of our Savior. So number one, the plan of God. 
And God's plan was moving and working in their life. I think that's something you have to believe for yourself too. You have to believe that your life is not just a series of events and one day just leads to the next. But God is working. God is moving. And that was happening in Abraham and Sarah's life. And actually they were first known as Abram and Sarai. In Genesis 11 verse 30 it says that Sarai was barren. She had no children. And it's important to remember that this is written in the Bible before the promises were made in Genesis 12. When God talks to Abraham and says, He gives His promise in Genesis 12, verses 2 and 7. He says, I will make you a great nation. I, the Almighty God, will bless you. And to your descendants, I will give this land. He's telling him, I am going to grow a nation from you. And your people's people's people will inherit this land because I've given it to you as a gift. It's a promise. And then in Genesis 13, God gives Abram the land of Canaan, the promised land. This is that promise in the Bible. It's why it's called the promised land. He says, see, I am giving it to you. Your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. If you could count pieces of dust, this is how big your family will be. And not because of your doing, by the way, Abram. It will be because of me. It will be because of what I do. So now, if Abram hears these words from God, and he believes the promise, it won't just be in simply believing that God can tell the future. It will be that God is powerful enough to create a future that is humanly, physically impossible. And it is. Do you remember how old Abram was when God called him out of the land of Haran? He was 75 years old. And something that I have thought about quite a bit as I've gone through and reading these passages again is what must have been going through Sarah's mind. Can you imagine at 75, it's a good time to leave and pack up everything we have. After all these years of being married, it's a good idea that we leave. God is telling us to go. So the plan of God is happening. God is moving in their life. So we hear the promise of God. I will grow your family. I will make you a descendants of nations will come from you. What's the circumstance? We've already read one of them that Sarah is barren and Abram is old. He is 75 years old, according to the scriptures. In Genesis chapter 16, verse 2, Sarah said to Abram, see now the Lord has restrained me. From bearing children. This is the exact scenario that God chose to call Abram to faith. It wasn't in the easy, cookie cutter type of situation where everything is perfect and here's the promise of God and it's so easy to believe it. It's so easy to see how this all fits in with my life because everything has just been happening and building to this point. It's almost as if it's an interruption. We have given up on this. We've gone through all of the times where we thought we were going to have a baby and it didn't happen. We had our hopes up. God, we have already dealt with this. We have settled in our minds that this will not be part of our life. And here you are telling us that it's going to happen. And it's exactly at that time, which might be inconvenient and might seem out of place, that God makes this promise. And so if He's believing it, He's believing that it's possible for God to do what is humanly impossible. And if He does it, then it absolutely means that God gets all the glory and man stays in a place of humble humility and faith. That I will look to Him. I will praise Him. 
I believe that it's exactly in this situation that Abraham was able to hear the words of God. And as he thought about his life, he could say what one of his later sons would write in the book of Psalms. In chapter 31, verse 15, he says, David says, my times are in your hand. Do you believe that this morning, dear people of God? That your times are in the hand of your heavenly Father. That the things that are happening in your life, things that are happening right now, today, things that have happened this last week, they are not occurrences that just happened as a blip on the radar or the convergence of a bunch of atoms that crashed into each other and here we are. But God is moving and working in your life. The things that happen have happened for a reason and He is calling you to faith, even faith against every odd. Why should I believe? Why should I hope in Him? Why should I trust? How is this going to happen? What is it going to look like in my life and in my family's life? Can I say with David and with Abraham, my times are in your hands. So number one, the plan of God. Number two, faith in God, not in shortcuts. God's purpose in this part of the story of redemption, God's purpose is to do what is humanly impossible so that we have to trust the power of His grace and He gets every bit of the glory. That's His purpose. But if we're honest with one another, we admit the reality that many of us, that all of us, do not naturally trust God so easily. It goes against our fallen nature. And here's what usually happens. Think about it. You and me. This is everyday life. When we meet a situation like this, we try to think of ways that we can actually make it happen by ordinary human means. Well, God, You made a promise. You said this is going to take place. You say I belong to You. You say that this is true. I've got to figure out how to make it happen. Is it possible that some of us believe God makes a promise and then expects us to help Him along? You said this. Okay, God, I'll do it. I can orchestrate things. I can make things move. I'm a person of authority. I'm a person of influence and power. I can make these things take place. And so when you get to Genesis chapter 15, when God comes and speaks to Abram again, it seems that Abram, knowing his age, has gotten his house in order. And as God comes to him and says, Do not be afraid. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Abram has got questions. I'm not actually afraid, Lord, but I am old. And I'm older than the last time you came and spoke to me. And I still don't have any children. And he said, by the way, I have my house in order. The one who's going to inherit my home and all the things that we have is Eliezer of Damascus. He is the legal heir. He fits the legal criteria in the society of our day. He has been born in my house. So he will be my heir. This is, this is a decision, it seems, that Abram has made by human means. It's logical that this man would be the one to inherit everything that he has. But what do we see in the next phrases in the book? God does not allow it. He requires that God works and gets the glory. Not that we work and get the glory, but that He does. And He says, no, it won't be Eliezer. It will be one who will come from your own body. And in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, it says, And he, Abram, believed in the Lord, and he, the Lord, accounted it to him for righteousness. We see that faith comes before sight. That's true and it's real. It is actual. That's how God works in our lives also. He makes promises. But He does not lay the promise right in front of you. The fulfillment of that promise. 
He says, hear and believe and trust in me. I will do it. Helping God along. We see it another way in this story. And this is the ebb and flow of a real family. You see this in your own. When you get to the next chapter, Genesis 16, what have they decided? We'll have a child. We will have a child. Ishmael is born of Abraham from Hagar, the Egyptian handmaid of Sarah. They decided, Sarah said, I'm old, you're old, maybe this is the way the promise works. Maybe you should just take Hagar and have a child with her and that child can be the one that God has promised. It's by human means. And and maybe the conversation went this way. You know, as you were talking to the Lord Abram, He said this child was going to come from you. But I don't hear anything that you said that this child is going to come from me. So there's a little loophole. And she says, so here's Hagar. You go and lay with her and we'll have a baby and that will be the child of promise. We will finally see this promise of the Lord. And God says, no, he will not allow it. That is not going to be how my promise is fulfilled. In Genesis chapter 17, he gives them new names. He says, you will no longer be called Abram. Your wife will no longer be called Sarai, but she will be Sarah. I will give you Isaac by her, by her body. I will make nations by her body. I will make kings of peoples come from her. Can you imagine being Sarah in this scenario? Because I don't see reading in the scriptures where it's Abram and Sarai or Abraham and Sarah hearing all these conversations with God. And here's your husband coming in again. And I wonder what he's going to tell me this time. First, he says we have to move. Then he says we're going to have children. And now he's telling me that God has told him my name is now different. And by the way, I've been called this all these years. And you're saying my name is different. And most surprisingly, I'm going to have a baby now. Abram, Abraham, you've got to be kidding me. This is the promise of God. This is going to happen. And yet this is how God does it. Faith in God, not in shortcuts, not in loopholes, not in legalities and and technicalities. God does the impossible. And what was the impossible? Sarah is 90 years old. She is barren and has been since Genesis 11 where we read it. And it says in Genesis 18 verse 11 that she's even past childbearing years. So she is beyond even menopause. So she's got three strikes against her in terms of having a child. Is this promise of God good? Is it real? Does he know what he's doing? Abraham is 99 years old in Genesis 17 when God tells him he's going to have a child by his wife, Sarah. And then we read this morning in Genesis 18, the Lord said, why did Sarah laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And he says, at the appointed time, it will happen. And there it is, staring us right in the face. Do you see it? That's the reason God will not settle for anything less than the path of impossibility in their life and in your life and in mine. He aims to show us that nothing is too difficult for God. Do you believe that? Do you pray that way? Do you pray for your family that way? Do you pray for God to answer prayers that you have that way? That God is the God of doing the impossible. He chooses to do that so that He gets the glory and so that we stay in our place of humble faith before Him. Do you pray believing that He can answer that way? And then in Genesis 21 we read... 
The Lord visited Sarah as He said. At the appointed time as He said. And I read that throughout those chapters in 16 and 17 and 18. And then in 21, and He kept saying at the appointed time. There were things that God had said that He never told Abram the specific time until later in his life. And he says, you're going to have a child. And how old was Abraham when Isaac was born? He was a hundred years old. God had planned and worked in a way that made the promise to Abraham humanly impossible. He saw to it that Sarah was barren from the beginning. He refused the human solution of a legal heir named Eliezer. He rejected the human solution of having sex with Hagar to bear Ishmael. And he waited until Abraham and Sarah were old. And she was beyond childbearing years before the child of promise was born. And he predicted the very time that the child would be born. He told them it's going to happen. I make promises and I keep them. I keep my word to my children. I do what I say I'm going to do. So I want to ask that last question I told you we would answer. How does this point us to Jesus' first coming? How should we think about Jesus as we think about the story of the birth of Isaac? Of this pregnancy, of all those years of anticipation and waiting. He was called out of Haran at 75 and 25 years later God answered that prayer. There are many of you that have prayed for something longer than 25 years and God hasn't given you the desire of your heart yet. How does this point us to Jesus? Number one, God keeps His promises. He told Another of his daughters in Genesis chapter 3 verse 16 that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. That he would rule. And here God is showing himself to be faithful in keeping promises. He said a Messiah would come and deliver God's people. That he would rule over them, protect and defend them and provide for them. And here we see in this small way This small way of a couple who prayed for years, God, give us a child. And they had gotten past the time of anticipation and waiting. Okay, we won't have children. And then he comes in and wrecks their anticipation and says, I will give you a child. And it will be later. And it was. God keeps his promises. Number two, how does this point us to Jesus' first coming? In many cases, the timing of God and the humility of man go hand in hand. What are you looking at today in your life as an obstacle that if you had the eyes of God and the eyes of faith, you would say, this is not an obstacle. This is actually the plan of God in my life. This isn't something that's going to keep me from faith. This is something that He is drawing me into that I might have faith in Him and magnify the glory of God and the grace of God and the power of God and that I would remain humble before Him as a child. Receiving from Him all that a father would give. And lastly, how does this point us to the first coming of Jesus? Your faith in Jesus is just as impossible and improbable as Isaac being born to Sarah who had been barren all those years. Later in life, an older lady who was beyond menopause. Do you believe that? That the gift of your faith, you believing in Jesus... And you being in a believing family is just as improbable and impossible. That all that you have and all that you are is a gift from your Heavenly Father. And He has done all of that. Not so you would say, look at me. But so you would fall on your knees and praise God and say, thank you for grace. 
Thank you for making me your own, for cleansing me, for taking my sin, for giving me a new heart that we read about this morning in Ezekiel. Thank you for making me a son or a daughter of the living God. And thank you for this time of year to remember that my faith is not my own, it is a gift. This Advent season, this time of anticipation, we await a Savior. We don't look inside to find one. We await a Savior. Praise God, He has made us part of His family. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, we thank You and we praise You for the gift of Your Son. We thank You and praise You that it was Your plan from all eternity to send Him into the world. That He would live a real human life and that He would die a brutal death on the cross because of our sins. That the wrath of God would be poured out on Him and that His righteousness would be given to us. Lord, we thank You and we praise You that it was Your plan to do that. That we might be called the sons and daughters of the living God. Lord, I pray that You would help each of us. Help us as families and as individuals. We are excited to be here to celebrate and to worship. But many of us have things on our minds that trouble us. Trials and tribulations and difficulties that we cannot see a way out of. And Lord, I pray that you would help us not to see other people or even events in our lives as things that are obstacles. When they are part of your plan in our life that you would get glory and that we would grow in our humble faith. Lord, I thank you and praise you that this is how you work. This is how you work in families and in individuals' lives. We thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we continue to worship and sing number 194, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
participate in worship, and we dedicate now to you our tithes and our offerings, that they might be used for the spread of the glory of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would use them, that lost souls who do not know you may hear the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus coming into the world to deliver people from their sins and from Satan and from hell. Lord, we pray thanking you for this opportunity to give, and we pray that our hearts would be dedicated to you as we think about the resources that you have so richly given to us. Lord, help us to give by faith and with a cheerful heart. In Jesus' name, amen.
the benediction of our Lord from Romans chapter 15. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.